what I want to do now in the last part of tonight then is to kind of give us a little bit more background information helping us understand the biblical world of what's, of what's going on. Ideally, we would spend an hour or more kind of giving a historical context, right? To really understand the New Testament, you need to go back 200 years. You, you can kind of get away if you only go back 200 years to the Greeks, uh, 160s AD, uh, BC, understand what's going on with a man named Antiochus and, and what he was doing. Um, and then the Romans come into power uh, and the rise of Herod the Great. That would be really helpful. Uh, understanding what, what's happening there. But I'll, we'll do the best we can to navigate that world. Some of it's familiar to us anyways. And some of, us will, some of it will just come upon it as we move through Paul. I'll put some maps up on the, Google do, on the Google Drive so that you have some maps to reference. And I'll put them up, of course, on the, you know, as I'm going through it. Paul's journeys and what's going on, the geography, etc. The geography of um, uh, Israel-Palestine is significant. You can't call it Israel and you can't call it Palestine, by the way, because neither one of those terms were actually accurate for first century Israel. Because it wasn't Israel then, it was Rome, um, and it wasn't Palestine, because that comes about in the second century. So Romans named it Palestina uh, in 130. So neither Israel nor Palestine actually works as a correct term for the land that we're talking about today. Um, we can call it Judea and Samaria and Galilee, but that's just clumsy. So I'll just call it Palestine or Israel, and we all know what I'm talking about, and we're all good. Well, what is it actually? At the, at the biblical time, it's Judea, Samaria, Galilee, uh, the Decapolis. Uh, so it's just different names because they're different Roman designations. When Rome destroys Israel for the second time, 130 or so, they name it Palestina. And that's where the name Palestine comes from. It's second century, so it's 100 years after Jesus. Um, but Israel ceased to exist in 721 B.C. Um, it's Ju Judah. For, for the next couple hundred years, then the Babylonians conquer it, and then they rename it, then whatever, they, whatever, they, whatever they wish to call it. So, right, and then the Greeks, etc. All right. So, what we're going to look at now is the religious groups in Palestine, uh, and let's just kind of go down the list. Some of this you're familiar with, but I want to put it in a little bit of context as well. Pharisees. All right. The Pharisees, by the way, actually go back, we think, to about the 160s, 80s, etc. Uh, what happened at that historical time frame? that's minorly, trivially important for the New Testament, is around that point in time, the office of high priest was being bought and sold. So we think the high priest means you're a descendant of David and from the Zadokite family, and that ceased to exist around the year 190, I think it's 191 or something like that, BC. Uh, now, with the Greeks, they're like, hey, we need some money, and they're selling the office of high priest. Annas and Cut. If you were, by the way, at the biblical time, Annas and Caiaphas are both called high priests, mm -hmm. but the office of high priest is for life mm -hmm. because the Romans made Annas retire, right? And so he's this, the, the father-in-law of Caiaphas. So uh, right. the Pharisees were bothered by all that. They're very religious. So, they, so on the first point, they believed in the strict following of the law of Moses. And they see the office of high priest being bought and sold. Now, if it's being bought and sold, who's getting the office? The rich, the powerful, right? You're buying the office because you have money, and you're buying it so that you can have the power that comes with it, right? Honor and shame, the prestige, the notability. You know, so it's profitable to pay that kind of money for the office. Right. And so the Pharisees, we think the word Pharisee, we don't know what the, what the word actually means. We think it comes from the word meaning separated ones. And they're trying to separate from this corruption of Judaism that they saw 
maybe as much as 200 years before the time of Jesus. All right. They are the party of the people, um, favored by the masses at the time of Jesus. It's important when you read the Gospels, by the way, that, uh, you see, we, we know, that I, I'm assuming that most of us, we, we've been in the church for a while, I think, in this room, right? Uh, we've heard the parables of Jesus. We know what's going on. Jesus is using the parables to kind of stick a dagger in the Pharisees and let them see what's really going on. Their arrogance, their pretentiousness, their, their self-centeredness, etc., etc., etc. When Jesus tells the parable of the Pharisee and the, ta- and the publican, as I mentioned earlier, Dear God, I thank you I'm not like that guy. We look and go, how arrogant, what a fool. You know, that's the bad guy. That is not the way a Jewish person would have heard the parable. God bless you. They would have heard the parable as, wow, look how godly he is. Compared to that tax, I thank you I'm not like that guy. Oh, Lord, we all thank you that that, that Pharisee is so righteous and esteemed. I fast twice a week. Wow, how pious is this guy? Right? We think he's arrogant and right. He, he's in, in the parable, he's the good guy. The tax collector goes, he can't even look up to God. He won't even approach God. And Jesus says, that man went home justified before God. And the disciples are like, uh, Jesus, you know, it was a really good parable, but I think you made it. I think you meant that guy. No, I meant that guy. All right. The parables have this, the, 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 this, this punch to it, the, this strike to them, because you, the, 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 end, uh, the endings are unexpected. Um, and part of that is understanding the culture, that the, the Pharisees were favored by the, they were revered, respected. When they walked by, you stood up. Now the Pharisees sought that. And Jesus is calling them out on that, right? They wear the long flowing tassels everywhere they go. So you know, I'm a Pharisee. Stand up and give me my honor. They were seeking that honor. And Jesus is like, wait a minute, you're missing something here. That's not what this is about. All right. They're the primary group that Jesus challenged then. And the reason why Jesus challenges them is because they have the influence of the people. It's the people Jesus is trying to convince, that he's trying to influence. I'm here for the poor, the oppressed. And you have their ear, and I want it. Now, remember Paul, by the way, in the book of Acts says, I'm a Pharisee. Paul, Paul identified, that's the good guys in that sense then. And that's also the part that had the most in common with Jesus. And that's also the reason why they're going to have the most uh, conflict. Right, now, letter D. They did not approve of Roman rule, but they tolerated it. And one of the, one of the ways to distinguish these political, relig- we, we call them religious, I, I think I said religious groups, but you can't separate religion and politics back in that day, right? In most parts of the world, even today, it's still hard to separate religion and politics. Even in America, we have trouble separating religion and politics. Um, we won't go there, though, will we? All right. Uh, but... Uh, then it's, what do you think of Roman occupation? And the answer is, God is our king. Mm. Right? All Jews believe that. Mm. God, we are God's chosen people. Uh, we're the sons of God. And God's given us our laws. But the Pharisees knew, we can't do anything about it. We don't like Roman rule. But if we try to do something about Roman rule, what's Rome going to do? They're going to punish us. So we tolerate it. They did not approve of Roman rule. No, right? They come to Jesus with a coin. Hey, um, do we pay taxes or not? Right? They're trying to trip Jesus on these questions that they know. We want Jesus to say no, mm-hmm. 
because then we can turn him into Rome. Mm -hmm. But if he says yes, we're going to be ticked off because mm -hmm. we don't want to pay taxes. I, I just saw, again, I haven't seen it in years, the story of Paul, Saul Paul on TBN. Mm. Uh, and uh, I, I saw things I didn't see before. And uh, it, it uh, struck my interest. And even in this class, a couple of things you've already said, sort of, I said, okay. okay. I, I had seen that. So I was wondering if you had seen that. No, I haven't. Oh, okay. Not that, not, not, not that version of it that I yeah. know of. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Okay. Okay. Let's let's go next week. The Sadducees. Mm -hmm. The Sadducees were aristocrats. Uh, aristocrats. Sorry, my kids. Ever since my kids saw that movie, The Aristocrats, I can't get that out of my head. I can't say aristocrats. I uh, sorry. They were the aristocrats. They were the wealthy. They were the elite. Uh, and one of the ways that they became wealthy, or, or that they maintained their wealth and their eliteness, is um, by working together with Rome. So, uh, skipping down a letter D for a second, they approved of Roman rule. They not only tolerated it, they approved of it because they benefited from it. Right? Now, mind you, the Jewish people are a difficult lot for the Romans to kind of keep in check, right? The Romans have their rules, and we're, we're in power, and the Jews are like, but we got our God, and he says no. You can't put signs up all around the, all around the city of Jerusalem with images of the emperor up. Well, you Jews need to know who the emperor is. Sorry, if you try that, you'll end up killing us all because it will be a bloodbath and, and we won't stop. You'll win, but in the meantime, when you're done winning, you won't have any taxes because there'll be no people to tax. So the Romans are like, well, what do we do? So the Sadducees said, look, we'll keep the people in check. You give us the power. You give us the, the benefits. We'll work together with you and, and we'll maintain civility. And here, we'll compromise on a few things. Like, you're not going to put any images up of the emperor around, the, around, around uh, Jerusalem. Right? Now, uh, one emperor tried to do that, didn't, didn't go over too well. Right, letter B. The, fair, the Sadducees only believed in doctrines that were taught in the Torah. Now, the word Torah primarily means right, the law, the law of Moses. That's what the word Torah means. The word Torah can be used for the whole Old Testament, though it's not often used, and today even less so. Um, but the word Torah often means the, the books of Moses. The Sadducees only believed in the books of Moses. And you'll note when Jesus debated with the Sadducees, he quotes the books of Moses, whether it's Deuteronomy or Exodus, he, because they don't believe in Isaiah. You can't quote from Isaiah to, 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 to uh, 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 talk them down, etc. All right, letter, letter C. They rejected much of the Pharisees' traditions as well. So the, Pharisees, the Sadducees reject much of, the, much of their traditions. So in, in many ways, the Sadducees don't believe in life after death, they don't believe in resurrection. You're thinking, well, how could you be Jewish? You know, it's, it's like, well, it's a, it's a political religious climate. And when you understand the nature of these political religious climates, the idea was that it's this life that's all about being blessed in. And as long as we do well, you know, if, if we're doing well in this life, then we're on God's good side, and I'm doing well in this life because they're rich. And so that, 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 that fueled their theological convictions uh, also. Now, the Sadducees, by the way, may have been the majority. We think it's all about the Pharisees, right? Uh, and we think that for two reasons. One is because the Gospels primarily talk about the Pharisees. Rarely do we come into contact with the Sadducees other than every once in a while, Jews might have some conflict with the Sadducees. The Sadducees who say there's no resurrection, 
said, hey, Jesus, what, you know, what happens if this man's wife dies and he marries another? All right. uh, that's, that's a debate with the Sadducees. One of the other problems is this, is our knowledge of first century Judaism was for many, many years extremely limited. The only, in other words, when the, when the Romans come in and conquer uh, Jerusalem in 70 AD, which, by the way, for New Testament studies, there's two dates I think you need to know. One is AD 30. You can say 30 or 33. I believe it's 30 for the death of Jesus. The other is AD 70 when the, with the destruction of the, of the temple by the, by the Romans. So that, everything else kind of fits around those, around those two numbers. 30 for the death of Jesus. Some say 33. We'll look at it later maybe. And then 70, the date for the destruction of Jerusalem by the Romans. After AD 70, only the Pharisees survive. So what happens is, all of our knowledge of first century Judaism, beyond the Bible, beyond the Gospels, comes from literature after AD 70. And it's only the Pharisees that survive. So all we know about the Sadducees is what the Pharisees tell us. So the Herodians? Well, I'm going to go over Herodians in just a minute. Okay. Yep, yep. Okay. All right. So the Pharisees and the Sadducees appear to be the two main parties, not the only two parties. Okay. Right. So everything we know about the, the Sadducees, it's like everything we know about the Republicans is only what the Democrats tell us. Okay. It, right? you, you know it's not going to go over to, they're not going to be painted very favorably. All right. Now, the biblical text seems to confirm that negative outlook on the Sadducees, but it's still very limited, mind you. Uh, so, all right, here we go. Uh, letters, letter uh, number three, the Herodians. Now, their name tells us everything we know about them. Because, in all honesty, we don't know anything about them. They're mentioned three times in the New Testament. Uh, they're twice in opposition to Jesus alongside the Pharisees. But that seems strange. Because the Pharisees hate the Romans. We would expect the Herodians to be in cahoots with the Sadducees. Because Herodians seems to suggest of the household of Herod. Right. Having to do with the powers that be. They're, they're, they're Roman. They're in, they don't appear to be Jews. They appear to be Romans, maybe. Roman Jews, whatever that. How, how does that work? So the fact that the Bible describes them twice in opposition to Jesus alongside the Pharisees, it may indicate how deeply hostile the Pharisees were to Jesus. They're so hostile to Jesus, they're in cahoots with the Herodians. Right? I mean, if, if anything, that's what it tells us, but we've got to be, be somewhat cautious. Right, by the end of the first century, uh, they're aligned with the Sadducees politically. End of the first, oh, I'm sorry, this should be the first century B.C. Because by the end of the first century A.D., they're, they're dead. They don't exist. Um, that should be the first century B.C. Um, they're aligned with the Sadducees politically and religiously. But the name Herodian kind of suggests that they probably don't have a lot of religious part to them. They're, they're obviously taking a political name. Mm -hmm. And again, now, who calls them Herodians? Are they calling themselves Herodians? Or are they being called Herodians by somebody else? Mm -hmm. right? that, and that might also tell us a little bit about them as well. So, Ralph, does that kind of cover what you were asking mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. with Herodians? Okay. And, and I was thinking, too, as you discuss about the role that Gamil and uh, Paul saw was Same guy. between, okay. Yeah, Gamaliel? Yeah. Or Gamaliel, how are we going to say it? What did I say? That's fine. That's fine. All right, Roman number four, the priests. All right, there's a distinction between Levites and priests. The Levites are the priestly tribe, but not all Levites are priests. All priests are Levites. That makes sense? To be a priest, you have to be a Levite, but to be a Levite, but being a Levite doesn't make you a priest. 
It's only select families within the Le within the Levitical uh, 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 priesthood, uh, within the Levitical um, uh, family. By the time of the first century, are priests. Remember, John the Baptist's uh, father, of course, uh, was such. In the New Testament era, it appears that there were predominantly Sadducees. Okay, now, and we're thinking, well, wait a minute. The Sadducees don't appear to be very religious. They appear to not believe in the resurrection. They don't believe in life after death. They're very political. They're, uh, they're the wealthy. They're, uh, they're very religious. Right? As, as in terms of um, maintaining the temple, uh, maintaining the religious order and, and the hierarchy and those. So in that sense, they're very religious. Right? They didn't have this deep conviction of the afterlife that, that we kind of associate uh, with religion. The, let us see, the high priest was very powerful. Uh, he was responsible for, for collecting taxes, for supervising the temple operations, and representing the Jews before Rome. So this is an office that's of tremendous power, as I mentioned for the last 200 years. It's been, the office has been bought and sold, or it's been granted by the Romans, but first century now. Uh, it's been granted, the Romans designate so-and-so to be the high priest. Okay. It's not by birth. It's, it's now by appointment, and namely by appointment by Rome. And you could try to buy it if you want, at least in the centuries before that, or the decades in, uh, before that. Uh, uh, Roman number five, the chief priests appear to have been members of the Sanhedrin. All right. Sanhedrin is the Jewish Supreme Court. The Sanhedrin is the Jewish Supreme Court. All right, and I'll describe that more in Roman numeral 7. Right, another group, these are all different groups. Now note, um, priests and chief priests are functions, and so they could be members of the Sadducees or members of the Pharisees. They, they could be members of the different religious sects um, uh, themselves. Scribes uh, are, uh, scribes are all, also called lawyers. And here's the idea. Writing skills made them valuable persons. They, they were well-educated. They could read and write well. And as a result, they're experts in the law, namely the law of Moses. Mm -hmm. So it's the religious law. And that made them political advisors, diplomats, etc. Now, economically, they were actually composed of members of all of various... Not, not the poor, but at least what, if you want to call middle class, you can. Uh, and, and the upper class. They were, they were well-educated individuals. So if the Pharisees are having trouble with Jesus, let's get one of these bright guys, these lawyer guys. Let's see if he can trip up Jesus. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Right? Uh, so that's where they come into the, into the biblical story from. Uh, they could be members of the Sadducees or members of the Pharisees. So no necessary correlation just because I'm a scribe that I'm a member of this party or a member of that party. Mm -hmm. right. The Sanhedrin now is the Jewish Supreme Court. That's the Jewish ruling council. Now, here's the thing to keep in mind. Rome's in power. So all of this seems kind of strange. What do you mean the Jewish Supreme Court? Rome's in power. If Rome's in power, the one thing they want to do is decide who, what, who, who committed what crimes and what the punishments are. That's, that's what comes about when you're the ruling power. But the Jews have this law. They have this God that has these scruples that goes well beyond Rome. And this God says, you can't eat that. And this God says, you can't walk this far. Well, at least they think that God says, you can't walk this far on the Sabbath day. This God says, you can't associate with these people. You can't, right? And so we need a supreme council to determine who has broken the religious law 
of Judaism. And so Rome, again, remember the whole idea is how do we keep control of these people? Right? How, how, do, how, do, we, how do we make sure we keep getting taxes and labor out of them? Well, here's what we'll do. We'll give them some scruples. We'll, give, we'll let you guys have a Supreme Court. No problem at all. And you can rule on these religious matters, these matters of religion and, and the law. They're not really ruling on civil matters. Now, mind you, we're going to send a delegation out to John the Baptist and find out what he's doing out there, though. Because if he has in mind an uprising against Rome, we want to know. Because if they try to uprise against Rome, and they're not going to be successful, Rome's going to punish us. We're going to stop this before it gets out of him. And there were rebel groups. Remember when Paul's arrested in Acts 22, they think Paul's one of these guys. Hey, are you that Egyptian guy, Thutis, that, that tried to you know, rebel? Because well, if you are, we're going to get rid of you. Because Rome finds out where you are, that you're him. You know, we're all in trouble. So the delegations are coming from these guys because they want to make sure that they maintain control over things and kind of keep, keep control before Rome kind of comes down heavy-handed on, on, on all of us. All right, their primary, primary members were the chief priests and the scribes. There's 70 of them, include, and plus the high priest. Uh, so the primary members of the Sanhedrin were, were chief priests and scribes. We believe that the majority of members of the Sanhedrin were Sadducees. We think that's the majority group. Again, we don't have any Sadducean writings to tell us much about it uh, there. And they met on the western boundary of the Temple Mount. Uh, I'll, I'll show you a picture if we have time. Um, not if we have time tonight, but I'll uh, uh, do it another time. For bringing, I, don't, I don't have it ready. All right, zealots. That's a very important group. Zealots are easily defined today as terrorists, right? I mean, one man's freedom fighter is another man's terrorist, right? So it depends on what perspective you're looking at it from. But zealots believe, they, they are more in common with the Pharisees than any other group. So they're kind of pharisaical, except remember that last time on the Pharisees that they tolerated Roman rule? Zealots are like, we're not going to tolerate this. It's our duty to do something about Roman uh, rule. Only Yahweh is our king. We don't pay taxes to Caesar. We don't give allegiance to Caesar. We don't burn incense before the emperor. We're not doing any of that stuff. And we need to oppose Roman rule. Now, we know that Simon the Zealot was one of Jesus' disciples. Okay. We know that Barabbas, who was released by Pilate, was an, apparently a zealot. He was guilty of murder in an insurrection that seems to fit with what we call zealots. But it actually appears that the party of people called the zealots primarily post-date Jesus. In other words, Simon the Zealot and Barabbas seem to be this early phase of zealotry. Uh, the Zealots pick up steam um, after Jesus. Uh, after Pilate, you just get a whole bunch of really bad governors. They're just really, really, it's hard to say how bad they are. Really, 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 really. Is that good enough? All right. All right. Um, you know, just bad governors. And and this is in just causing more and more uh, uh, inf inflaming things between the Jews and the Romans. So this is why they were resented by the people. Um, the zealots? Yeah. Well, okay, so the zealots were resented by the people because they get us in trouble when they do their acts. Right. When they do their acts of terrorism, then they, Rome punishes all of us. And so we don't like the zealots. We, we, I might personally agree with the zealots. I just don't think it's going to work. It's not a good, that's why the Pharisees are like, the Pharisees were pragmatic. They were practical. God, this isn't going to work. Okay. Um, but the zealots are like, it doesn't matter. We need to do something about this. And I'm willing to take the fall. Because I'd rather take the fall than live under this kind of oppression. 
You know, my cousin was just crucified. My, my sister's a, a slave, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So let's do something about this. So the Zealots were um, generally resented, uh, uh, letter A, they, only Jews were permitted to rule over Israel, letter B, resented by the people, uh, letter C, they generally agree with the Pharisees except in their passion for liberty. Okay. Now, this shows you what Pilate's doing, by the way, when he lets a Zealot go free, when the Jews say, release Barabbas. We don't want him released. He's just going to cause more trouble, but we so don't want Jesus that we're willing to take this Barabbas. Right? And if we have time, we'll talk more about Barabbas um, also. All right, uh, Roman, or number nine, Samaritans. Samaritans, are, and we'll look at a map, uh, I would hope, in a couple weeks, uh, located between Judea and Galilee. Mount Gerizim uh, is located there. So Jacob's well, if we have I get some pictures up. I didn't put any pictures up today, so it'd be too clumsy to pull them up now. Um, so there's Galilee in the north, Judea in the south, Samaria in the center. Jacob's well is at the base of Mount Gerizim in uh, the central part of what's called Samaria. Okay. By the way, there's still Samaritans alive today. There's 700 Samaritans in uh, Mount Ger- on the, right around the area of Mount Gerizim. I actually have sat down with the high priest of that. He showed us how they do the sacrificial sacrifice and everything else. It's kind of interesting. And then there's 700 more of them over by Monday um, Tel Aviv. Um, but uh, the Samaritans, uh, only first off, they only accept the five books of Moses, but don't compare them to Sadducees, two different groups. Right. They're ethnically di- different, depending on who you ask. If you ask Samaritans, we're the true, we're the true Israelites. Uh, the, the book of, the, the, the book of um, uh, Deuteronomy says that, um, that God will, b- will build a temple in the place that he decides. Okay. In the Samaritan Pentateuch, the Pentateuch is the first five books of the Bible. In the Samaritan version of those books, it says that God will build a temple in the place that he has already decided, mm-hmm. which would be Mount Gerizim. Because they hadn't, con- remember, the Jews hadn't c- conquered Jerusalem by the time of Deuteronomy was written. Deuteronomy, uh, Jerusalem's not conquered until David. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, what, six to four hundred years later. So if it's the place he has already decided, then it's Mount Gerizim. And that's why the Jews believe that that's where the temple's supposed to be. Remember the woman at the well? Mm-hmm. You Jews believe that worship is be in Jerusalem, and we say worship is on this mountain. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, but in spirit and truth. Okay. Mm-hmm. He's standing at the, at that well, look in Mount Gerizim, he's like, it's right there. I mean, literally, it's right there. All right. And it's, it's a pretty significant mountain. Uh, they believe then that, that they are the true descendants of Moses, that their temple is a true temple advocated by Moses in the books of, of the Pentateuch. They obviously don't believe in anything after that, so they don't believe in the prophets. Okay. Samuel, David, etc., etc., etc. Now, if you ask the Israelites, and often the Christian and the Jewish version, the Samaritans are only partially Jewish. When the, when the Assyrians conquered the northern tribe of Israel, they deported the upper class, the wealthy, the kingly class, uh, 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 the well-educated, etc. Right. And they left the poor remnant behind. The, the, the Assyrians also took people, apparently from Babylonia area, modern-day Iraq, Kuwait area, and deported them. And that population then intermarried. This is the Christian and Jewish version of Samaritans. Uh, that Samaritans then are half Jewish because they intermarry with Babylonians and, and, and uh, um, Jews, the, the lower class that were left. Okay. 
That was a Babylonian, uh, I'm sorry, that was an Assyrian way of keeping control of a diverse empire. That's always the question in ancient history. How do you control this vast empire? Uh, the Assyrians said, what we'll do is we'll deport the upper class and the educated and the elite and the wealthy and we'll make them live somewhere else. And then they won't try to free wherever they're at because they don't care about wherever they're at. The people that are left, the indigenous population, they don't have the wherewithal, the ability, the education, or the means to revolt. Right? Well, it, we'll bring Babylonians over here. They won't want to free Samaritans because they don't like that. Right? And, and then you raise that population up and then they, they grow up and live there and eventually they just all pay taxes. So the Babylonians did that, but not quite the same extent, right? They let the Jews remain a distinct people group in Babylon. Remember, Daniel and his buddies are living and following Jewish laws in Babylon. Mm -hmm. okay. So the Samaritans, does that make sense about Samaritans then? This, 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 we would say this interracial uh, uh, group of Babylonians and Jews who live in Samaria. The conflict, by the way, remember I said to, to know the New Testament well, you need to go back about 200 years. Well, if we add the Samaritan conflict, you need to go about 400 years. And it's the story of Ezra and Nehemiah, right? Where the Samaritans were complaining because Nehemiah is trying to rebuild this wall. And then if they re you know, to rebuild a wall means the city's defendable now. And the Samaritans can't, you know, can't get into it. So that conflict with the Samaritans then begins to brew at the time of Nehemiah, 445, 450 BC. So about 400, <coughs> almost 500 years before Jesus. Okay? And those are your, are your main groups. Now, I left off a group that we might know about but don't appear to have any relevance to the New Testament called the Essenes. Okay, you heard of the Essenes before? The Essenes are the Dead Sea Scroll community. The Essenes appear to be, we're not sure their origin, etc. We have a few of their documents that tell us a little bit about them. But they appear to be maybe members of the Pharisaical party in Jerusalem that withdrew and they became a uh, monastic community right? and we the Dead Sea Scrolls include uh, some documents called the rules of order and, and, and how you enter the community and the rules of, the, of life in the community and they appear to be a monastic community that lived out uh, on, the, on the shores of the Dead Sea which by the way today is not on the shore because the Dead Sea is like a lot farther away because it's evaporating but nonetheless on the shores of the Dead Sea the Dead Sea Scrolls were probably not written by them that's kind of one of the things that was kind of taught for, for a while. They, they, they had a scriptorum, but there's no way they could have produced all those books. Mm -hmm. What we suspect is that when the Romans came in in 66, they surrounded Jerusalem in 66, eventually conquered in 70. That's because the emperor died and, you know, delay, 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 delay. Then finally, four years later, Titus comes in and destroys Jerusalem. Right. During that time, it appears that the library in Jerusalem was then moved out to the Qumran Dead Sea Scroll, the Essene community. And then they buried them in the hills with some of their own documents. And that's the Dead Sea Scrolls. The Dead Sea Scrolls have nothing in the New Testament in it. It's not a New Testament issue. It's an Old Testament issue. What they buried in the Dead Sea Scrolls were copies of the Old Testament, a 24-foot-long copper scroll of Isaiah. Okay. Unbelievable. Um, uh, copies of Isaiah, every book in the Old Testament except for Esther, right? Because it was thought to be written by a woman, right? Um, but so copies of the Old Testament, copies of, of Jewish writings between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New, so Maccabees, Tobit, uh, and all those kind of books, if you've heard of those, the apocryphal writings. 
And then they also buried probably documents from that particular community. So the Essenes are only relevant for a couple reasons. One would be, it gives you an idea of Roman-Jewish interrelationships. That's the issue. What distinguishes the Sadducees from the Pharisees is how we view the Romans. And the Zealots, it's how we view the Romans. Now, there's obviously some other issues there, there also. So the Essenes are the separatist community, even more so than the Pharisees. The Pharisees believed that the temple was of utmost significance. And if we oppose Roman rule, Rome will punish us and maybe destroy the temple, and then we're really in trouble. The the Essenes said, too bad, the whole temple community is is corrupt. Remember, the office of high priest had been sold in 190. So we don't care about, the temple community is is corrupt. So you know how Jesus says, I'm the temple? And, And Jesus has this new theology of the temple? The Essenes had this new theology of the temple, too. They thought that the temple was corrupted in Jerusalem and no longer savable. So there's some similarities there between how Jesus and the, and the Essene community kind of read the scriptures, on a, maybe on a surface. I wouldn't go too deep with that. Um, but no documents of the New Testament are included in the Dead Sea Scrolls. So if you ever hear people, uh, I think, um, who was that? Uh, Brown. Dan, Dan Brown wrote that book 10, 15 years ago or more about uh, the Da Vinci Code. Uh, and the Dead Sea Scrolls you know, the, the, the have all this stuff about how the New Testament and I was like, the Dead Sea Scrolls have nothing to do with the New Testament. The only thing is they were buried at the time of the New Testament. And, and there's a couple documents that, that are at the same time frame as the New Testament, but they're not interacting with Jesus. They're not interacting with, there's no Jesus in the Dead Sea Scrolls. There's no Paul in the Dead Sea Scrolls. There's no Christian in the Dead Sea Scrolls. It's Jewish. Um, Jewish through, uh, uh, through and through. Uh, I was going to mention one other thing. Let's just, let's just keep my mind. Yeah, that, that theory has been, been thrown out there as well, that John the Baptist was a member of the Essenes as well. That just doesn't seem to, to really fit John the Baptist, though, though, though at all, uh, either. So, okay, any questions? Comments? All right, that establishes hope. So read Matthew, Mark, at least by the time we meet next time. It's going to be four weeks. Um, uh, and uh, get through this as well. I would encourage you to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Kind of get all four Gospels done before our next meeting. And then you can start getting into Paul and things like that. Um, also, if you have any questions or comments, you got my cell phone, you got my email, let me know. If you did not get the invite to the Google Docs, let me know. I will probably... Here's what I do. That's just, I, I kind of review and make sure I'm prepared for class tonight in the, on Monday. Monday is my study day. So I take my study day on Monday morning, and I'll, so I'll probably post the document for our next class in the morning of that day. Does that make sense? In the morning, so check that morning or whatever. And if I have to bring a couple copies, I can or, or whatever. But 